spenders because we are not. And it's the best service I'd have, maybe ever. She was totally helpful and totally friendly. And the problem was, how do you tip her? Because 15% would not be enough. So we did 16%. (laughs) She left an impression. The food wasn't really exceptional. It was okay. But it was the service that was amazing. And that restaurant stands out in my mind. Not because of the food or the location or the building, but because of the people. Now, next week, we're going to have some guests for baby dedication. In fact, almost every week, we have some guests. And we can't do much about the food, maybe not much about the building or the location, but we can make the service exceptional. Today's message is really not a sermon. It's a a little bit different, but I believe it is so important. So far this month, we talked about how to live good lives in a foreign land. Our citizenship is not here, and we who follow Christ can sometimes be labeled as oddballs, and we need to be attractive oddballs. So this whole month has been, how do we live attractive lives in this foreign land? And 1 Peter 2 has been kind of our jumping off place, says be careful to live properly or live good lives among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So we've been talking mostly about the church scattered this month, you know, out there living a, a certain kind of life, spreading the word, you know. And today I want to talk a little bit differently about a little different direction and talk about the church gathered, what we're doing this morning, the corporate life, which is also critical to outreach. In the book of Acts, their gatherings were a witness to outsiders. Now, usually we have guests almost every Sunday. Uh, so how can we impact people for the gospel on Sunday morning? I'm going to bring, begin with some MOTs, which are moments of truth. When a guest comes to our service, an MOT is any occasion in which a person forms an impression of the church and of Jesus Christ. And they are moments in that they're brief, and they are truth in that they have learned a truth about our church. Now, what's sobering about this this part, the truth they perceive may not be true at all. People will extend their impressions from these brief moments and apply them to the whole church, and often these brief moments are really not who we are. For instance, someone will say, well, that's an unfriendly church. Well, why did they say that? Because at a particular moment, a particular person or event caused that unchurched individual to experience some form of unfriendliness that causes them to project that on the whole congregation, and they haven't even met 1% of our people. And they've condemned the whole church as unfriendly. So these MOTs are critical. Let me give you seven of them. Number one, driving up to the building. The landscaping around the church says something about us. The upkeep of the building makes a statement. I am struck by how the buildings of worship, especially in the Old Testament, were the most expensive and the best places because God deserves the best. The temple, the tabernacle were extravagant. We know that God's not tied to this building. You know, it's not a temporal thing. But, uh, but outsiders will tie God to this building. And if we don't keep it up, it says without intending to, that we don't think much of God, we don't think much of ourselves, and we don't think of much of our church or our ministry. In our homes, none of us would be happy if a guest came in and there was cobwebs in the corner or if there was dust that was collecting for weeks or if their carpet was stained and ugly. You know, is the parking lot clear of debris would be one question. Is there broken glass in the lot? If it is, pick it up, you know. See, one reason, by the way, we're fixing up this area between the two buildings. Uh, one is because of water issues. That's the main reason. And also, it helps, gives a few more parking places. But another reason, frankly, is outreach. Because the condition of our property says something, and that takes time, it takes work, and it takes money, 
And I would just ask, is someone's salvation worth it? So uh, we need to uh, be aware of our facilities. Um, if people can't find a place to park, that can be a negative. Now, we don't have a whole lot of parking around here, as you know. So if you can, don't park close to the building. You know, go up to the square and park or go, go a different direction. There's four groups that should park close to the building. The elderly, the handicapped, parents with young children, and guests. Everyone else, park away. Walk. It's good for you. Number three, entering the front door. As people approach the building, some start to feel some anxiety. You know, what are we getting into? How are they going to be received? What weird things does this church do? Will I know what to do? Am I dressed appropriately? Some studies suggest that new guests form most of their impressions about a church during the first 30 seconds of walking in the door. And I love that we have greeters every Sunday. There was a time in this church when greeters didn't always show up, and from what I can tell, they, they do now. And greeters, you need to be as accommodating as you can be. Greeting is more than handing out bulletins. Good morning, good morning. No, don't be a robot, you know. Let them know you're glad to see them. Open the door for them. Pretend they're coming to your house. When someone comes to your house, you usually say, hi, welcome. You, know, you open the door for them. So good to see you. And use breath mints. <laughs> all those feelings that a guest has during those first 30 seconds largely subconscious but they're being made very quickly contributing to these subconscious thoughts are such items as the sound is the pre-music playing smells, signs, cleanliness do things look orderly uh, if you see something out of order something on the floor pick it up this is your home make it look nice all those leave an impression and if things are shoddy it says something that we don't want to say Number three is meeting people. We members, are we outgoing and approachable? Do, 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 do we express an attitude of acceptance? Is there an honest friendliness without being mushy or overbearing? That waitress at that restaurant made all the difference in the world. She made that place inviting and welcoming. Without her, I, would not have, I wouldn't even be thinking about that place today. Do we seek people out to talk to them, to help them, to help their kids find their way? You know, body language is huge. Simple actions as smiling or frowning or staring or avoiding eye contact can all leave an impression. Every one of us is an evangelist on Sunday morning. Four weeks ago, Ellen and I were visiting a church out in Nebraska, and very few people knew us. And it was just interesting, because I go into churches, okay, how am I going to be greeted? And uh, people were staring they could see, you know, they could see it in their eyes. Who is this? This is a new guy. And now I'm used to going to church. But even for me, the first time is a little bit awkward, a little bit of anxiety. Who will be that one person that will make us feel welcome? Finally, someone did come up and talk to us, but they already knew us. No one that didn't know us said a word. And if we, if we had been complete strangers, we would have left as complete strangers. Don't let that happen. Be a good host or hostess. Number four is experiencing ministries. And this will vary from guest to guest. Those with small children want to find a child care area that's clean and bright and open and safe. That's one reason we moved it all over here uh, because it's just a better environment for kids. It's brighter. It's more modern. Uh, we're not doing it so much for our kids. Remember this. We're not doing our children's ministry so much for our kids as we're doing it for kids who are not yet here and their parents. See, both of these buildings were not built for us. They were not built for us. If they were, that was a bad idea. They were built for people who have not yet stepped foot in here. The church is the only institution that I know of that exists for the sake of outsiders. 
Members do not get special privileges. Well, I'm a member here. Yeah, so what? Well, I've been a member for 40 years. Well, that means you ought to be more mature. If the church is all about us, we are on the wrong page. Those needing restrooms hope to find them clean and free of unpleasant odors. If you go in and there's paper on the floor, pick it up. If there's water on the sink, wipe it off. In fact, I was in the restroom this morning and a guy was wiping up the sink. Praise God, you know. I told the staff, we're all on restroom duty on Sunday mornings. If you see something wrong, you fix it. If the toilet is clogged, don't call me. Call Jared. He'll take care of it. (laughs) Now we have five senses. Sight, touch, taste, smell, and hearing, right? Okay. If you were to give up one of those five, Probably most of us would say, I think I could give up smell. No more smell if you eat or bad odors. Aristotle disparaged smell as the most animalistic of the senses. Smell is probably the least appreciated of our senses. But research shows that odor plays a far more important role in human behavior and physiology than we realize. For one thing, smell carries emotional quality, has the power to stir emotions and memory, Uh, You smell a certain food, it can bring a flood of memories. When I smell fried chicken, good memories. When I smell liver and onions, not so good in memories, you know. One of my best memories that most of you, eh, many of you won't appreciate, is the farm smell, where there's livestock especially. Now, a lot of people would gag, but when we go back to Wisconsin, I love to drive through the countryside with the windows down and just smell the pastures, those dairy cows. To others, it stinks. But to me, it's memories. I grew up with that stuff. The smell in our nursery and in the restrooms can have a powerful negative or positive uh, influence. And and the preacher's breath can leave a memory as well, as yours will too. And and I know these are not highly sophisticated doctrinal issues. And some of you are going to say, boy, that was a lame sermon. Um, But these are important. It's part of evangelism. There are certain cultural expectations. When people walk into a bank or a mall or a restaurant, they expect a certain level of cleanliness and service and quality. That's just what our culture is. And and is our work less important than a mall or a bank or a restaurant? Five, participating in the worship. Guests entering the worship area will be impacted if they find people smiling and exhibiting a servant attitude. The atmosphere should be meaningful and vibrant. Guests expect to find a seat without being crowded. If someone comes early and they sit by themselves, we go and talk to them. Introduce yourself. Number six is exiting the worship service. Guests trusted upon leaving, they will find a friendly atmosphere where they're greeted but not attacked. Most guests are open to visit and talk and meet others, yet they want to feel like they have a choice in whether they stay or leave. So no arm twisting, please. Don't overpower them. Greeters, again, you're at the doors, people leave, you're leaving a lasting impression. And then number seven, contacts in the weeks ahead. If you meet someone Sunday morning and they're obliging and you kind of connect to hit it off a little bit, maybe you can ask if you could call them this week. And if that's too much, you know, that's, that's fine. Uh, we do send an email or a letter from the office if they fill out a communication card. And if they come back, that may be the most important visit of all, the second or third time, because sometimes we'll be great at greeting guests the first time. We give a gift and all that. But then we just ignore them after that. That's not good either. People have to make six to seven friends in a church before they feel like this is my community. So just one greeting is not enough. Every Sunday school class should be praying every Sunday to reach out to new people and consciously be an open group. Be an evangelistic class. Don't become a closed group. Now, those are the MOTs, moments of truth. And of course, there's others. But with those in mind, I want to give you some MIPs, most important people. And the most important person, of course, is 
God, yeah. That includes Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And people can sense if God is really the most important person here. Is he alive and well in our lives? People can sense. Is it real? Is it genuine? They can sense. Are they going through the motions or is it real? People can tell if we really believe in prayer, if we really take the Bible as our authority. In fact, sometimes they can see it more clearly than we can. Now, we don't have to be ultra-emotional. We don't have to dance in the aisles and foam at the mouth, you know, uh, but it has to be genuine. Paul in 1 Corinthians says a guest will walk in and say, God is really among you. They can tell. God is the most important person when we gather. So are you worshiping? Is it real? But after God... Who is the most important person on Sunday morning? I I want you to tell your neighbor right now. Who do you think is the most important person on Sunday morning? Just just tell them. Who is it? Most important person. How many of you think it's the preacher? You would be wrong. How do you say the greeter? How many of you don't want to vote? How about the nursery worker? Let me suggest to you the second most important person is the guest. First focus is on God, second is on others. Love God, love people. I think we've heard that before. The church exists not for the sake of insiders first. We exist for the sake of unchurched people. So now we build insiders and we have fellowship with insiders and we edify insiders, but why do we do it? So we can minister more effectively, minister to others. We are not a club meant to cater to one another. We are a mission outpost that reaches out to non-members. That is a major paradigm shift for most churches and for most church members. Well, this this is our church. No, it is God's community, and we've been sent here to reach people for God. Now, that doesn't mean we're necessarily seeker-driven. You know, the guest is not what we're worshiping, but it does mean that we are seeker-sensitive. Now, I have in your outline what gift of the Holy Spirit was mentioned most in the first few centuries of the church. Believe it or not, it's hospitality. And the word hospitality means love of strangers. We love guests. We love the unchurched because God loves them. We love it when they come and visit, and they can sense that we love them. It's kind of like that waitress at the restaurant. It was very real. We are so glad to have you. Now, it's easier to not have new people. That's why most churches don't grow. It's easier to fellowship with the same people week in and week out. You know, we're familiar and we like each other. You know, new believers are kind of like new babies in the home. New babies are great and wonderful, but they also mean a lot more work. One dad, in fact, little tongue-in-cheek, says, we have a baby in our home, a new baby, and I've been watching her and observing some interesting things about her. First of all, this baby is lazy. She just lies around the house all day long, never does a thing to help. Everything has to be done for her. She is the most lazy person I think I've ever seen. Now, we won't talk about this next week at baby dedication, so don't worry about that. Second, she is thoughtless. She wakes people up in the middle of the night and has no regard for their sleep at all. She never hesitates to interrupt a conversation to express her own desires or needs. All she thinks about is herself. And she's also rude. She'll burp right in your face and be completely unabashed about it. She'll spit up in you and make other gross noises and smells. As I have watched that little life, I've said to myself, well, that's what being a human is. I don't want to be one. Lazy, uncooperative, and rude. Most dads don't think that way. But logically speaking, why would anyone want to have a baby? They're a lot of work. They're lazy. They're uncooperative, rude, and smelly. And yet we want them. We love them. Next week we'll celebrate them. Logically speaking, 
Why does God love any of us? We're a lot of work. And we bring a lot of heartache. And we're lazy and uncooperative and rude. But he still wants us. Yeah, it's easier to not have new people. But I hope, and I don't think any of us would say, well, let's not have new people anymore. Third MIP, greeters. Those who probably have first contact with guests, they set the tone. The sermon begins at the door. And you who are greeting, you introduce the church and the message. By the time the sermon comes around, if we have not created some kind of a positive impression, they pretty much already determine whether they're going to come or not or even listen. I don't introduce the sermon. The greeters do. So before they hear the music or the sermon, most people decide whether or not to return within a few minutes after they arrive. Number four, children's workers. They're vital uh, because parents will select the church more on nursery care and children's programming than on doctrinal statements of the congregation. That's maybe not the way it should be, but that is the way it is. Uh, children's workers give assurance to parents that their child will be taken care of you know, in a well-cared-for way. Having men in the children's department speaks volumes. And I appreciate our elders and staff working in the nursery over the past few months. And we've had other guys help. And guys, I would just tell you, it's an easy ministry because the women do all the work and you're the hero. Really. It's, it's kind of like home. You know, it's a great gig. Uh, parents are consciously evaluating the facilities, programming the, the staff and the level of care. I read about one mother was on her first visit to a church and she began to sign her infant in to the nursery and she noticed there's only two workers for 11 babies and she also noticed some peeling paint near the baseboards and when she pointed out the danger of the paint the worker said oh we're watching the kids all the time no one's going to be eating paint and the mother decided then and there we will not be back moment of truth just because we offer a nursery or children's program does not mean we're kid friendly it has to be well done ministry And I will say this, I have heard from people who have been here for several years, the nursery has improved, really, immensely. And so I want to thank you who make it into a quality ministry. And our children's ministry has also been one of the backbones of our church. Fifth MIP, the person sitting next to a guest. This should probably be higher. But they help create a warm atmosphere when they smile and introduce themselves. They offer assistance by helping them understand what's going on and showing them around. They make sure the guest gets a worship program. They might even extend the church's hospitality by inviting them to lunch afterwards. Uh, they help with if there's any questions about kids' programming. See, some people come to church, believe it or not, trying not to like it. Uh, they, they want some excuses why they don't have to go back. You know, my wife drugged me here. And, I, you know, and they don't want to be here. The average return rate is 12%. So we have to do what we can to take away the excuses. That means giving them the best parking, so we park away from the church. It means giving them the best seats. Here we go. What are the best seats in the church? Back row and the aisle seats. Yeah. Now, to be a good host, this is why I had you move, obviously. Don't plunk yourself on the edge of a row if you can help it. Now, if you're handicapped or something, I understand that. But if you can help it, don't make people crawl over you. It's rude. And don't sit in the back row. There's latecomers. Um, We had a man with a baby come first service. No place to sit in the back. So he had to bring his baby up toward front. And, you know, it's just uncomfortable. So it's it's just a common courtesy. And that's why we had you move during greeting time. Is it uncomfortable? Eh, A little bit, but you'll get used to it. See, the question again is, is the church about me? Are you the MIP? And for a lot of people, the MIP is me. And that's heresy. 
And it's rude to make people have the worst seats. It's rude to make people crawl over you. Now, now, now some of you have to sit at the back or on the end for physical reasons. I don't want to disparage that, and I get that. But some of you just, just need to move. You know, I used to go to a restaurant. This was up in Rockford and meet some guys there once in a while. They, they were there every day, and I would just go and join them once in a while. And we always sat in the same place in this restaurant. And we got there one day, and heaven forbid, some other people were in our booth. You know what I did? I went over and asked them to move. I said, these are our seats. Not really. <laughs> you wouldn't do that in a restaurant, would you? Uh, well, <laughs> don't do that in church. I know of one instance, and some other people have told me the same thing. A couple came to our church and sat down. It happened to be my daughter and son-in-law. True story, they were visiting our church. No one knew who they were. And one of our regulars said, these seats are taken. Could you please move? When I heard that, my blood pressure started to rise. And if I hear you doing that, I will beat you up. <laughs> we had a ministry team leaders meeting this past Wednesday, and I asked them to write down what they would like to see happen if they brought a guest, and they would like to not see happen if they brought a guest. And most of the answers reflect what we've already mentioned here. But here's a couple of specifics. They said they do not want to see two people gossiping when they bring a guest. And they do not want to see two people fighting. Now, I've never seen people fighting on Sunday morning, but for heaven's sake, don't fight and don't gossip. And almost all of them on Wednesday night said something about welcoming and being warm. And what made the, again, back to that restaurant experience, it was so good. It wasn't the food. It wasn't the facility. It was the people. Number six, the people up front. Uh, most think it's all on the preacher. You know, he can dazzle the people. That'll do it. You know, the truth is many have already decided before they even see me. And the upfront people are, are still important, but they're not the most important. Their demeanor and appearance can give a warm, positive impression. Do they look as if they're really worshiping? You know, are, are they joyful? Is the preacher engaging? Someone put in my box an ad to a seminar entitled, The Art of Communicating with Tact and Skill. Becoming a polished, persuasive communicator and expressing your thoughts and ideas with clarity and diplomacy. I can take a hint. And I promise I will try better and try not to embarrass you. Now, there's other things. Uh, you know, are the slides on time? Is the lighting appropriate? Is the sound balanced? And again, we appreciate our volunteers that really overall do a very good job. We're, we're making progress. Number seven, follow-up people. You know, the following week, usually we just send an email or a letter. Uh, we're thinking about maybe possibly doing a little bit more on that follow-up thing. But let's say they come back a second week, a guest comes back second or third week, and which is a good sign, and we just need to continue to be good hosts and hostesses. Here's what the thing. I want you to please understand you are a witness every Sunday. When you sit next to someone, you are representing Christ in his church. If you greet, you may, be ter may determine whether or not someone ever returns to hear the gospel. If you work with kids, you're not just babysitting. You're evangelizing. And teachers, do not underestimate your influence. I once had a lady tell me that she was forced to go to church by her husband, and she resented it. She didn't want to listen. She didn't worship. She didn't listen to the sermon. She just sat there. She thought you had to lower your IQ by 20 points to be a Christian. But she said as she sat there, she looked around. People were kind. They talked differently. There was a different vibe than anything she'd seen before. She said they seemed to love me. And today she's in full-time ministry, experiencing the happiest years of her life, according to her. 
The gathered church can make a difference. Be our guest. Be our guest. Put our service to the test. Let's pray. Father, you showed hospitality and you loved us as strangers. And now you love other strangers through us. And I pray, Lord, that we will be your ambassadors of grace and joy and hope and truth. Thank you for accepting us. And may that acceptance flow to others through us. In Christ's name, amen. Today, as we gather on the table for communion, I want to read to you guys from 1 Corinthians 11. Starting in verse 24, it says this. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup. And when he blessed it, he said, Take and, take and drink in remembrance of me. For and often as you drink this bread, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Today, as followers of Christ, we have the opportunity to take communion. This is a way to remember and reflect on Jesus, what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross when he died for your sins and mine. As the trays are passed, you are encouraged to take a piece of bread and juice and return the cup and the tray when you are finished. Let's do this in remembrance of him. Will you pray with me? Father, just now we take this time to remember the awesome sacrifice that your son had to endure for us. We thank you for sending him so that we may be right with you once again. God, we can never thank you enough for loving us and sending your son to die for us. God, we say we love you, and we mean that not as empty or shallow words, but we mean it with every ounce of our being. God, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Thank you.